0: Let's read together, shall we? Psalm 1, beginning at verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Now I ask that you open our hearts, that we may hear what the Spirit will say to us in the midst of the preaching. I lift up other life-giving churches, and I pray blessing upon them. I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I pray especially for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. And I ask you to draw them to a place of repentance. Don't let one of them be lost. I pray all of these things in the only name that matters, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. If I were passing around a sheet of paper for you to sign up to have a blessed life in the new year, how many of you would want your name on that list? Anybody interested today in being blessed in 2023? Well, the psalm that we are looking at today gives some instruction about that, about how to be blessed The psalm that is the focus for the message today first announces a promise of the blessed life. But in order to convey its positive message, it approaches the subject by talking about three negatives. The psalm opens with the word blessed. Now, that that word is somewhat bland in our English language. But the original Hebrew term is much more descriptive, especially with its plural ending. A translation that kind of captures the excitement of this word says something like, Oh, the happiness many times over. How does that sound to you? Multiplied happiness. The next thing I want to point out is the three verbs in that first verse. Walk, stand, sit. Sit. It isn't an accident those words are listed in that particular order. Those words describe three steps of decline that occur whenever a person begins to give place to evil. Anytime compromise with wrong begins to take root, this is what happens. Momentum towards righteousness slows and then comes to a complete standstill as we let down the guard and the standard of righteousness in our life. First, the psalmist talks about the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly. That word walk is a term that refers to a casual movement along the way. It it suggests passing by. Put it in the context of the entire phrase, and it has the idea of one who doesn't imitate or go through the casual motions of wickedness. The warning here is don't even flirt with the wicked life don't joke about ungodliness we could paraphrase this part of verse one like this oh the happiness many times over of the one who does not even casually go through the motions or imitate the plan of life of those who live in ungodliness I I thought about this I, I was taken back to my childhood I remember growing up they used to have candy that looked like cigarettes it was even sold in boxes that looked like a cigarette package. Do, do, does anybody else remember that? Do, do, they still, do they still have that? I mean, I don't even know. And then they had, they had gum that looked like it came in a, in a, a chewing tobacco tin, you know? you know. I also remember my father wouldn't even let us buy that candy. <laughs> and he wouldn't let us accept that candy from anybody else. We could not even pretend to be smoking even if it was only candy. See, he understood this truth. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't walk in the path of the wicked. Don't walk after the pattern of those who are living in a manner that is not in agreement with God's word. Steer clear of it. Because if you start down that path, even in jest, even just a casual flirtation, it won't be very long before you find yourself not walking anymore, but instead you'll be standing in the path of sinners. The Hebrew word for stand has the idea of taking up a position. The word path comes from, uh, from the word meaning a marked out path, a certain and precise way of life. The psalmist identifies it as the path of the sinners, those who have the ability to live right and godly lives but are intentionally missing the mark. Don't walk in the direction of the wicked. If you do, before long, you'll be standing in the path of sinners. You'll find yourself not going anywhere, but just standing in the certain way of life that is the hallmark of the sinful person. What once was unthinkable to you will now become acceptable. What once was shocking to you will now become commonplace. What once was abhorrent to you will now become simply a matter of personal preference. You'll be settling for far less than God's best for your life. Society will applaud you for your enlightened way of thinking. They will applaud you for your open-mindedness and your tolerance. They will applaud you for coming out of your bigotry. But listen, when it is in opposition to God's word, he still calls it unnatural, unholy, unholy ungodly unrighteous he refuses to put a positive spin on it and still calls it things like lying cheating stealing coveting rebellion adultery gluttony drunkenness gossiping greediness selfishness he lumps it all together under one all-encompassing word and calls it sin Don't walk in the direction of the wicked. If you do, before long, you'll find yourself standing in the path of sinners. And when that happens, then you're not very far from sitting in the seat of the scoffers. This word sit suggests a permanent settling down, abiding, even a permanent dwelling. It's made even stronger by the use of the word seat, which means a habitation or a permanent residence. This is the sphere of the scornful. This is the one who continually makes light of what is sacred. That's the blasphemous crowd. I'm talking about how you can have a blessed life in this new year. Do do you see the picture that the psalmist paints for us? You shall be happy many times over. You will be blessed If you maintain a pure walk, free from even the slightest flirtation with evil, because if you begin to walk in the counsel of the wicked, you'll start a downward spiral that will slow you down until you're not moving forward, but you're standing in the path of sinners. And if that happens, you're only going to stand so long until you'll eventually wind up sitting, taking up permanent residence in the dwelling place of the scornful. When you start out flirting with evil, you never intend to take up residence in the place of the scornful. When you entertain some behavior purely in jest that isn't pleasing to the Lord, you never intend to wind up laughing at and mocking and denying the things of God. It never happens overnight. It's a slow erosion of faith. It comes as a result of little compromises with truth and with what is righteous. This is what happened with a man in the book of Genesis by the name of Lot. You remember the story of this nephew of Abraham, right? Three of us remember that story. Okay. I see I've got my work cut out for me on Wednesday nights to take you through the Bible. All right. The households of Abraham and Lot, you remember, were traveling and camping together. When they grew so large that the land couldn't support both of them in the same place, they decided they needed to separate. Abraham gave Lot the choice of which direction to go. And Genesis 13, 11 tells us Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan, and Lot journeyed eastward. He began walking in the direction of the ungodly. See, verses 12 and 13 tell us Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled in the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now, it goes on, the men of Sodom were wicked exceedingly and sinners against the Lord. Here we see Lot taking his stand among sinners. And when you skip down to chapter 19, verse 1, we are informed, now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. He started out, he he walked, then he stood, now he's living among them with his dwelling in the seat of the scornful. The beginning was perfectly harmless, just traveling toward the valley that looked like rich pasture land. And we aren't told all the events that occurred or any of the reasons given, but little by little, Lot began to compromise. He wound up settling down with the scornful. He wound up losing every bit of testimony he ever had. And when he tried to get his sons-in-law to leave the city with him because of the warning of the angels that Sodom was going to be destroyed, the Bible says they laughed at him. Oh, the happiness many times over of the person who does not temporarily or even casually imitate the plan of life of those living in the activity of sinful confusion, nor comes and takes his stand in the midst of those who miss the mark spiritually, nor settles down and dwells in the habitation of the blasphemous crowd. Verse 1 announces the promise, blessing. Now in verse 2, the psalmist gives the process. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. The first verse gave the promise in terms of negatives, but this verse is a positive plan of action. This is what enables you to stand strong when the storms of life blow against you. This is what keeps you moving forward when you're hit with one setback after another. This is what keeps you productive in the middle of a barren landscape. If you want the blessed life, Even when everything dictates against it, then you live in agreement with the word of the Lord. There's a good reason why this psalm talks about the law of the Lord. It's because in order to get away from the compromising crowd and get off the path that will eventually lead to destruction, you need an absolute standard that is dependable. You need a clear direction. You need something you can hang on to no matter how difficult the times become. See, if you don't have an absolute, you'll be easily swayed. If you don't have an absolute, then anything that sounds plausible is going to be tried. If you don't have an absolute, then you start listening to any and every voice that comes along and appeals to your flawed reasoning of your fleshly appetites. If you don't have an absolute, then it doesn't matter what you do, just as long as it feels good and doesn't hurt too many people. If you don't have an absolute, then you'll be tossed to and fro, back and forth, from one extreme to the next. But God's word gives a clear direction. God's word gives an absolute. God's word gives a firm path on which to walk. That's what Psalm 119 verse 9 is talking about when it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. That's why verse 11 of that chapter continues and says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. This is how to keep the tentacles of compromise from wrapping themselves around your heart and dragging you down. This is the way to experience the joys of the blessed life. You aren't going to get it just by an occasional dusting off of the Bible and grabbing a verse or two on the run. You won't get it by playing Bible roulette. You know how to play Bible roulette, don't you? You know, you just open the Bible and point to a verse, and that becomes your verse for the day. You can get in trouble doing that. You you won't get it by scrambling to find something positive or some wonderful promise to claim when the roof is caved in. The psalmist said, in his law, he meditates day and night. That means you keep spending time with it. You think about it constantly. You treasure it. You hide it in your heart. It becomes your constant companion. You don't hear it on Sunday and then forget about it until the next Sunday. But you bring it back up. You call it to remembrance all week long. You know, we spend so much of our time focusing on the negatives. We spend so much of our time focusing on not doing the wrong thing. Don't. Walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't smoke dip or chew and don't hang around with those that do. Some of y'all from old church will remember that. You know, some of the rest of you looking at me like, what? Don't do this. Don't, you know, I remember growing up. If somebody asked me what I believed, I couldn't tell them what I believed. I could tell them what I couldn't do. <laughs> some of you are going, "Yeah, some of you still there. <laughs> I don't know what I believe, but I know what I can't do,. You know. Don't do this. We spend all our time focused on that. Everybody wants to talk about what we don't do. but the real emphasis is on the positive. Delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on the word of God. Spend time reading, studying memorizing, learning, and applying the Word of God. When you focus on the positives of delighting in and meditating on the Word, then I tell you, the dolts aren't nearly as much of an issue. If you want to be blessed, regardless of what's happening around you, the answer is found in the Word of God. You see, God's Word never promises that you're not going to have trouble. But God's Word tells how to handle the problem So the problem doesn't handle you. It's in God's word that you'll find who you are and what God thinks about you. It's God's word that gives an assurance that no matter what blows down the pike, you'll never have to face it alone. But you have a resource that will enable you to rise above it and continue to fulfill your purpose, the purpose for which God has placed you here. I'm here to remind you today upon the authority of the Word of God in Romans 8, 31, that God is for you. In Matthew 28 and 20, Jesus is with you. In John 14, 17, the Holy Spirit is in you. In Psalm 34 and 7, there are angels all around you. I'm telling you, you're going to make it. There may indeed be a valley, but he'll walk with you through the valley. There may be a cross to carry, but he will help you bear the load. His promise is Isaiah 43 and 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. His promise is Job 36 and 15. He delivers the afflicted in their affliction and opens their ears in time of oppression. His promise is Psalm 27 verses 1, 2, and 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life whom shall I dread when evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh my adversaries and my enemies they stumbled and fell though a host encamp against me my heart will not fear though war rise against me in spite of this I shall be confident his promise is Psalm 27 and 5 for in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle in the secret place of his tent he will hide me he will set me upon a rock That's his word to you today everything around you may fail but you're going to make it his banner over you is love his joy is your strength his loving kindness never ceases his yoke is easy his burden is light. his compassions are new every morning his grace is sufficient his word is enough you're going to make it somebody ought to praise him for that today give him praise in this house hallelujah I'm about to bless myself, praise God, about to preach myself happy. Verse 1 announces the promise of blessing, verse 2 explains the process to receive it through the application of the truth of the word. That brings me to verse 3 that declares the end result, the product. It says, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. It's significant to me that the product, the result, is something we shall be rather than something we shall do. He shall be like a tree. You need to know today that God is way more interested in who you are than what you do. You are human beings, not human doings. Before you can worry about doing great things for God, He first wants you to be something. When you resist the path of compromise, when you cling to the Word of the Lord and walk in its paths, then you shall be like a tree. There's several things I want you to see about this tree of blessing that the Lord promises. First, He says this tree is planted. That speaks of intentionality. This isn't something that happens by random happenstance. When you abide in God's word, then he's going to put his hand on you. He's going to intentionally set you in a place where you can receive the blessing. He's going to see to it that you are stable and rooted and solid and strong. This tree is planted. Then the verse says this tree is fruitful. Please notice that fruit is seasonal. It says it yields its fruit in its season. You are not designed to always bear fruit. Somebody needs to get that in your spirit today. It'll take away a lot of your frustration. You are not designed to always bear fruit. You aren't always harvesting the blessing. And I I just blew somebody's theology right out of the water with that statement. Didn't I mess you up? He says, you'll be like a tree bearing its or yielding its fruit in its season. There are some seasons you go out to your orange tree and you can't get any oranges. Why? It's not the season for oranges. There are some days you're not going to be harvesting a blessing. Why? It's not the season for your blessing. There are seasons when it seems like nothing is happening. But that does not mean the tree isn't fruitful. It just means it's not the right season. God has a due season for you to bear fruit. He has a due season for the blessing to flow, He has a due season for the victory to come. If you're not fruitful right now, just hang on. Your season is just around the corner. All right. All right. All right. Don't give up in the wintertime. Some of you trying to go out to the tree in the middle of the winter, all the leaves are blowing off the thing. You got it's just bare twigs, and you're trying to harvest fruit. Well, you don't cut the thing down. No, you let it lie dormant because you know that springtime is coming. Isn't that what God said in his word? As long as time remains, springtime and harvest. In the winter season, you don't give up on the thing. You just recognize it's not the right time you just keep persevering you hang with it springtime comes it begins to bud green shoots come out what you thought was completely gone springs to life again I want to tell you some of you have been in a winter season I want to tell you God's got a due season for you just once again, spring to life. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more a little bit later, but you, you just need to understand. Hold on. God has a due season. And if you're not fruitful now, hang on, the season is, is coming. Tree is planted, the tree is fruitful, the tree is also flourishing. It says its leaf does not wither. See, even during difficult days and dark times, even during periods of drought, planted by streams of water you remain green and healthy and flourishing. And then the verse says, this tree is prosperous in whatever he does, he prospers. Oh, we like that part. We don't like the winter season part, but we like the prosper part. See, God is going to see to it that you fulfill the goals he has designed for your life. I'm talking about having a blessed life. This is God's promise to you today. What you need to understand is that there is no shortcut to this kind of spiritual growth. You don't come to an altar and repent of your sin And then the next day, start looking like this kind of tree and bearing this kind of spiritual fruit. It's not an overnight thing. But when you maintain a pure, uncompromising walk, when you delight yourself in the word of the Lord, then you will grow into a stable, reliable, spiritual tree. It's a process. See, some of us are only seedlings, some of us are saplings. But as you are nourished by the word, as you shun the evil, you pursue the good, you'll turn around one day and discover you're just exactly the kind of tree the Lord has promised. And you'll be enjoying the blessed life that he says is your inheritance as his beloved child. You you can't rush it. We live in a world of instantaneous everything. You know, you need information. Siri, what do you think about? Right? I'm hungry. Microwave. Beep, beep, beep. Everything is right now. We get impatient when we have to wait for a, for a web page to load. If it takes longer than five seconds, what's the matter, what, you know, hurry up, I need to defragment my hard disk or something, you know, <laughs> does anybody remember dial up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you click on it, and you go make yourself a cup of coffee, and you come back, and then you go get a snack, and then you come, and finally it's down, you know, we live, We think that we ought to live the Christian life that way. No, it's a process. Don't short-circuit the process. Stay with it. I got to finish up. Before I do, there's one more thing I want to tell you about this tree of the blessed life. (sighs) Truth is, sometimes storms come and uproot trees. Sometimes trees get cut down. Sometimes trees get diseased. (laughs) I've discovered that life can sometimes be like a chainsaw. Right? Anybody? Something comes along and just... I may very well be talking to somebody right now who doesn't feel much like a tree. You feel more like a stump. Something's come along and cut you down. You were once productive. You were once fruitful. You you were once flourishing. Maybe it was some tragedy. Maybe it was a devastating illness. Maybe it was a betrayal by a friend or a loved one. Maybe it was a loss of a job, and you're overwhelmed by the magnitude of your loss. I, I don't know what it was in your life, but, but you don't feel like a tree today. You feel like a stump, a cut-down, unproductive, worthless stump. I came on this first day of a new year to give you a word of hope. Could anybody use a word of hope today? Would you be willing to receive a word of hope from the word of the Lord? Listen to the word of the Lord from the Old Testament book of Job. If anybody understood being cut down and feeling like a stump, would you agree it was Job? Job chapter 14, verses 7 through 9. For there is hope for a tree when it is cut down, that it will sprout again and its shoots will not fail. Though its roots grow old in the ground and its stump dies in the dry soil. At the scent of water, it will flourish and put forth sprigs like a plant. Has anybody ever seen a stump that had been leveled and then gentle rains fall and then suddenly there's little sprigs of green coming up out of that? That's what he's talking about. Let me tell you something about God God specializes in comebacks. You may feel like a worthless, unproductive, lifeless stump, but listen, at the scent of water, it, it, it doesn't even have, water doesn't even have to start falling, just the scent, you know what that smells like, the scent of water, at the merest hint of the Holy Spirit's presence, you're going to begin to live again. See, it doesn't take much of the presence of God to make a huge difference, Do you remember? Just a little handful of meal and a few drops of oil were enough to sustain a prophet and a widow during a famine. Just a cloud the size of a man's hand was all it took to spare a nation from a drought. Just five loaves and two fish was all it took to feed the multitude. Just faith the size of a mustard seed was all it took to move mountain. I may be preaching to somebody who's run out of options, somebody who's run out of resources, somebody who's at the point of desperation, somebody who's staring bankruptcy in the face, somebody who's been beaten down by life, somebody who's been cut down by circumstances beyond your control. The word of the Lord I'm preaching to you right now is like drops of gentle rain falling on the stump of your life. And you may feel you've been abandoned and there's no possibility of anything being different. But at the scent, the merest hint of water, at the scent of the water of the word of the Lord, God promises you will flourish. You'll begin to live again. You'll begin to grow. You're going to put forth shoots like a plant. Once more, you're going to be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water. You're going to bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaves will not wither. You're going to prosper in all your ways. I just believe the water of the spirit Spirit is flowing in this place today so here's what I want to do I want to give an invitation to two groups of people first of all I want to issue an invitation to those who have been dabbling around in the things that you know are displeasing to God you're walking in the counsel of the ungodly maybe it's digressed to the point that you're standing in the path of sinners You may have actually sat down in the seat of the scornful. I urge you today turn around, come to Jesus, surrender your life to Him, get off the road to destruction, and get into the place of blessing. The blessing is there, it's the promise of God, but you're going to have to do your part. You're going to have to make a conscious decision. I'm not going to walk that way anymore. I'm going to go God's way. That's the path of blessing. Second group of people I want to pray for is those who feel like you've been cut down, those that I was just talking about. But you've heard the word of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit is using it right now in this service to rain on your life once again. You sense the hint of the water of the Spirit beginning to fall like a gentle rain, and you're ready for God to restore you. You're ready for God to cause you to flourish once again. Those are the two groups of people that I believe the Lord specifically wants to speak to, and I want to issue an invitation to. So I'm going to ask everyone if you would please stand. And here's what I'd like to you to do. We're just gonna take a moment here. We're, we're gonna finish up this service with the communion of the Lord's table. But before we get to that, I just feel so so strongly, I need, we need to pray for people, we need to pray for you. If you fall into one of those two groups, that group that's just been dabbling around in the things that you know are displeasing to God and you know, I need to return, I need to come back to the Lord. Or you're one of those people that you feel like life has dealt you such a blow and you've been cut down and you need, you need the water of the Spirit one more time, to cause you to flourish and, and to begin to begin to come back to life again. If you fall into one of those two groups, here's what I ask you to do. I'm not going to prolong this, but if you fall into one of those groups and you want us to pray with you, I'm just going to ask you right where you are. If you'll just step into one of the aisles, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Just just step into the aisle and stand there in the aisle. Thank you for. Of people here, here, here. Thank you. Just, just stand right there. We're going to believe that this is the day when your life turns around. We're going to believe that this is the day when a path opens up for you to start to come back. We're going to believe that this is the day when you can experience favor of divine blessing now if someone is standing in an aisle near where you are I'm going to ask you if you would just move out into that aisle behind them or beside them and maybe gently put your hand on their shoulder and I'm going to ask you to pray for them I don't know why they're coming and they don't need to tell you and they don't need to tell me They're just coming because they have a need and a desire for God to touch them and to help them. Now, would you pray that God will release his grace and favor into their life now? Do it, Lord. There's some people coming back to you. There's some people online that are coming back to you, Lord. They're turning around. They're turning their lives back to you. They're not gonna walk in the path they've been walking. They're gonna walk in your path from now on. So, Lord, I'm praying that you would do that. Receive them as you've promised. Receive them with open arms. And, Lord, there's some people that feel like life has dealt them such a harsh blow that they're just cut down. They're cut off. They don't feel like there's any life or any help, any productivity. Lord, turn this around in their life today. Turn it around. Let today the beginning of a new day, a day when when new life will begin to spring forth. (laughs) Ah, Thank you, Lord. I sense your touch right now in your people. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody ought to just begin to thank the Lord for His promise And for the work of his spirit that he is doing in your life right now. Just begin to thank him. Lift up holy hands to him. Lift up your voice in thanksgiving. All over this house, give thanks to the Lord for his work and what he is doing. Thank him for his promise. Thank him for his presence.